0: Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on
1: webmasterradio.fm. It is the beginning of September 2015. September 3rd, 2015, you were warned, you had your chance to go play in the sun, now it's almost over, especially if you live in England, where they're getting uh, you know like snowstorms this week. On behalf of Dave Davies, who's over there in uh, Victoria, British Columbia at Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger in Toronto, Ontario from Digital Always Media. Dave, how you doing today, bro? I'm doing
2: fantastic. Not as well as the Blue Jays, but uh but I'm doing fantastic.
1: <laughs> it's okay, you know what? You brought it up. It's gluten season.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have I've been really impressed with the last couple games. So, I hadn't catch caught a lot through the season. Got the last couple games. Yeah, it, it's it's been a it's been a sight to see. So,
1: congratulations on that. It is remarkable living in a city that is Fully engulfed in World Series fever, our our baseball club, the Toronto Blue Jays, are currently the hottest team in baseball. They've lost they lost I think five, four, maybe five games in the month of August, mm-hmm. and they just steamrolled everybody they've come up against. It's been delightful to watch. You know the nice thing about baseball is baseball has got to be the geekiest game out there. You know because you, you, you it's full of stats. You're predicting probability. The, the the physics involved in the way that the ball flies through the air hmm for geeks it is a f- tremendous game to follow and again for geeks in Toronto or, or across Canada it's it's been a great late summer it's going to be an even better autumn
2: brilliant brilliant but we should move on to tech you know what although you bring up a good so nerds can watch it and, uh, and enjoy it. It helps when, uh, when one of your teams is uh,
1: in there, of course. Which uh, is unfortunate for most of our audience, of course, especially those in New York, Boston, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, uh, <laughs> and Detroit. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> that was fun. Okay, you remember how last week, like, nothing happened? Yeah. A lot and now happened we, this we've week. We've gone
2: lost, and so everything did.
1: <laughs> yeah, not so, um, That. that. It's weird, you, you, you roll out from the end of like the end of summer and you get to the beginning of autumn, or the, you know, the beginning of September. Uh, school started again last week in many parts of the United States. It starts again next week across Canada. And I think for most of us, the, 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 the very vast majority of us went through the September to, uh, or the August to May, September- to June school schedule. And so I think for us, the real new year. Is the beginning of September? You know that's that's when the the year feels like it flips over and you're starting over again, rather than January one. And again, I, I asked you just before the show because we we've had this at Digital Always Media in the last couple days. There's just been a massive uptick in new business. Who, who can who can
2: complain about that? I like to think that maybe people are not waiting until November to ask me about the holiday season. Indeed. Maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and, and, and what we, I think we said this a couple of weeks ago, but I, it's worth reiterating again. It's, you think that last year or the year before was competitive for online retailers. 2015 is going to be the most competitive online Christmas season or holiday season ever. So, yes. And there's so much more for online retailers to think about this year than there has been in previous years. A great
2: thing I think we have set up for retailers right now that's going to make 2015 – better than previous years is it as you well know and as all of our listeners know those that hadn't were essentially scared into going mobile Yep. and this for a, for a, i think a lot of businesses is going to be the first year where they have fully mobile compatible websites and you know it i know it all the statistics know it it's christmas people are out there they're in stores and they're looking stuff up I think this is going to be a great year for online retailers, maybe not quite so good for a lot of, you know, brick and mortar stores where people might have started looking stuff up and went, oh, I'm just going to pay the extra few bucks here because these sites suck. And and I think this is the first year where most of those sites, if not all of them, aren't going to suck as far as the actual user experience goes. And, And it's going to be a great year for our industry and online businesses. Well, here's the
1: deal, and, and, and online retailers got to think about this. And D- Dave, you mentioned it just now. When people do their shopping for uh, medium to high high ticket items, they're doing it in two ways, often at the same time. Now, they will walk into a brick and mortar with their cell phone in hand, and you know, they'll be looking at product specs or pricing of competitor pricing and stuff. And they're there in your brick and mortar store, the place that you're paying rent on, the place that you got employees, you're paying you're paying staff, and they're in your brick and mortar. But they're looking they're looking about stuff on on, on 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 their mobile devices. Yeah. So from the perspective of the website owner that the, 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 the potential customer is researching, mm-hmm. they're in your competitor's brick and mortar location.
2: Right. You're just paying for it.
1: <laughs> from the from the, the, the perspective of the brick and mortar, they're looking at your competitor's website. Both people in this equation have to think of new strategies to complete that sale, to make that conversion. I give the edge to the online folks.
2: Yeah. Well, you have every advantage, right? I mean, that is the problem right now for brick and mortars is that you have the advantage of an online retailer in that you don't have the same overhead. You don't have the staffing requirements that a brick and mortar does. So they lay out all the goods. And then the, the online retailer can sell it cheaper. I mean, you know this. I know it's been the bane of brick-and-mortar stores for, for a number of years now. And, and it becomes more difficult every year for them to
1: deal with that challenge. Sorry, go ahead. In, in this scenario, we, you know, again, you have somebody in the brick-and-mortar researching their potential purchase, which is like right in front of them. They could pick it up and carry it out of the store if they had the money. What – in this scenario, what is the online – the e-merchants, what is their biggest tool right now? You know, at, at, that, at that purchase decision moment, what's the best thing that that online retailer can make available to the potential customer?
2: You know, what? they, they have this opportunity in my, like the way I'm seeing it anyway, is they have the opportunity, the person's already seen it. They have the opportunity to touch it. They already know they want to buy it. Now they're just looking for a cheaper price. So in that instance, they, the only competitive advantage they really need is a cheaper price, and a shipping system that will get it still cheaper and to the user in time for the holidays.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I think the second part of your answer is, at least to me, it would be more important than the cheaper price because I don't drive. I live in a massive city. The only way to get around this city is either to sit in traffic for hours or to take <laughs> the public transit like the subway. Right. Now I don't want to be carrying a bunch of bags under my arm on the subway, which is already overcrowded and you know a difficult experience, right? Yeah. But if somebody would would simply deliver those packages either to my home or to my, to my girlfriend's home, you know, maybe maybe to my parents' place if that's closer, whatever, right? I'm more likely to ha- to pay slightly more to have the stuff brought to me than I am to wa- to feel like walking around the. Uh, transit system of a major city with my arms full of stuff right but i think the biggest advantage the online retailer has over the brick and mortar retailer is you know you you know me and big red buttons i love big red buttons (laughs) yeah is the proverbial big red buy this thing now button and so brick and mortar retailers if you see somebody like you know messing around on their on their mobile device while they're looking at one of your products you got to run up to them and smack that mobile device out of their hands. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and tie them up because that's essentially what they're doing to you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's very true. I mean, it, it is funny because I I know I was actually
2: in. Uh in a store, I was looking for a, a laptop for Mary just when were, we were shopping around for them. They didn't know. I needed to get it that day. I was fully prepared to buy one that day, and I know they thought I was price comparing. I'm 100% sure. Unfortunately, when he, when he started to talk to me about it, and, and I started going, no, you're very, very wrong in your recommendations here, that's when he realized I was looking up CPU benchmarking data. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. oh, <yeah? laughs> so that's all I cared about. So he caught me in the right moment. But you're right. I mean, they, they are attuned to that. And I've even seen some stores do some quite, quite wise things, giving free Wi-Fi, for example, and not blocking, you know, not blocking that, but you know that they're collecting that data. What are people doing? What stores are they going to? And at the end of the day, all you can really do in this event, because you can't actually go and knock somebody's phone out of their hand. Because you're going to make a a $20 sale and you just got sued for a $600 phone or
1: something like that. That's not cool. Don't beat up your customers, friends. Just just handcuff them.
2: (laughs) But for brick-and-mortar stores. Yeah. Provide that free Wi-Fi. Provide and and monitor it. Right. I mean, and I know stores that are doing it where now at least, you know, you know what sites you're being compared with. You know where you need to look at the pricing systems. You know what they're pitching. So you know what you have to say in your store, you know, maybe about service or maybe about, you know, if you what if you need a return or, you know, what if you do need a return? It's a gift. What if the person wants to return it? Like, let's talk about that in the store.
1: Well, Not you know, right. Dave, I I think actually I was gonna say something else was the the brick and mortar retailers' big advantage, but you know what? You just you you just knocked what I was gonna say out of the water. All yeah, right, I guess in the in the we were talking about the Blue Jays, so you just knocked what I was gonna say <laughs> out of the park. You're right. Knowing the brick and mortar retailers, if they provide that free Wi-Fi, you have a tremendous research advantage over. over their their online competitors. I was going to say that the advantage that the brick-and-mortar has that the online uh, retailer, the e-tailer online, has a hard time matching is customer service. But uh, in your story, the sales agent, the clerk, didn't actually know what you needed him or her to know.
2: Well, that's it, it. and so I needed to go online, and I knew full well that I knew more about you know, what processors and what, what I was about to do with it. So what I needed, I mean, I, I, I certainly know more than, you know, probably the dude at Best Buy about that. <laughs> you know, so, and fair enough. But if nothing else, hey, you know what? If If they're monitoring, they're going to know that I did that, right? They'll know that there was somebody looking at benchmarking data. All right, well now you know. I mean, hey, we're not even talking on the same tangent here, but we're going now you know something that actually might be interesting for you to be talking to your sales about and going, you know, why don't you you know, run or even just provide them a sheet and go, here's how they benchmark against each other and here's what they mean for different tasks, right? There's some that are better for gaming, some that are better for you know, Microsoft Office. Use, uh, you know, prepare them to know those answers so they don't look kind of silly. I mean, it didn't lose my sale. I knew I was going to go in and buy something and I knew that I knew how to look it up, but not everybody does, so good to be able to arm your people with that information.
1: Anyway, the the, the whole, the, I guess, the way to sum all of that up is the se- holiday season's coming, friends. You've got to prep for it now, or for retailers, majority of your sales between American Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. If you're yeah. not preparing for it today, you might blow your whole year. Start thinking about it. Well, I'm sure that the responsible are thinking about it now, but start calling professionals now. I'm just making this number up, Dave. But so I apologize. But you know, spend five thousand with me, spend five thousand with Dave, spend five thousand with with another, you know, a highly experienced uh, search marketer, and you could probably make fifteen to twenty thousand off that five grand you spent.
2: That's exactly right. That's exactly right.
1: I mean, you know, if,
2: and if you,
1: you you hit the nail on the head there.
2: We're hitting into that season anyway. We've got other news, and I know we've only got a couple minutes to cover it.
1: Yeah, we got to hurry because waiting in the wings is one of, I don't know how I a phrase, what to say about, about our guest. So I'm just going to say his name, because that alone, <laughs> like, tends to stop conversation in a room. David Mim. How the, long have we been looking forward to this? Like a month? Yeah, like, I'm just, I'm blown away that we have David Mim. The guy who's in charge of local search for Moz.org. Co-founder of GetListed.org, which again he, he sold to to, to for an undisclosed, but assumably great deal of money, <laughs> um, and the ranking dude when it comes to local search. If you want to know about local search, you've got to be reading Memento, uh, D- D- David uh, David's blog, or you got to be reading his his writing over at Moz. He's going to be coming up after first break, and we're going to we're going to hopefully handcuff him to the chair so we can keep him around for the entire show, just just like any good retailer would. <laughs> but a couple other things happen in search, and it's it, it, we we got to get through it really quickly. Flash, okay. frozen by Google. Best headline ever? What do you yeah. think? Flash I, I like by the Google. headline, and of course I love that it is. I mean, we all... <laughs> you know what I really hate? I work from home, so this isn't really a problem for me, but if I did work in an office, I would be caught interest-surfing all the time because of autoplay Flash advertisements that won't happen as of two days ago if you use the chrome browser as of september 1st all flash advertisements that were set to autoplay will now be frozen in the chrome browser and i think this is great because i don't know about you Dave, and, and actually I, I mean to ask this under almost every other windows operating system for some reason flash will bring you the blue screen of death how is that in windows 10
2: it's working fine in Windows 10, but, you know, it's – I'm hoping that that ble- – you know what? I, I hate Flash, so just <laughs> am just biased. I can keep ranting about it, but I won't. So, I mean, I, I think it's a great move on their part. Obviously, they're trying to force it out. They are. It's going to be successful. Who's going to build in it now that it has such significant disadvantages over other similar technologies that get the job done better? And as SEOs, Jim, you and I know, uh, you can get the same thing done far more search engine-friendly – um, it, You know, 90% of the cases, if not more. So I'm glad to see this. I'm certainly glad to freeze it on load because that's just,
1: yeah, like you, uh, who who wants that? Okay. Well, I'm pleased to see Flash advertisements being frozen. As I said, it's responsible for crashing a lot of people's computers. I, I get confirmation that people's computers get sent to blue screen after autoplay of Flash frequently. Drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that's done. And again, Flash has—I mean, Flash was the whiz bang application of choice by designers who really wanted to impress their client with fluffy stuff. Right. It was never indexable. I don't care what the what those folks at Adobe say. That damn stuff was never indexable. <laughs> and I, I used to get called up by. Remember when I was writing all that stuff like years ago? I was writing like an article a day, and I would go after Flash like once a month, and I'd get hate mail from Flash fans. Mm-hmm. Seriously, friends. It's like, don't get mad at me for what Google – but anyway. Flash is going to be gone. And, you know, the Flash – in the Marvel or whatever universe, the Flash is one of the more useless superheroes anyway, right? It's like pac <laughs> but invisible.
2: Okay. I have a feeling for some of our listeners those were fighting words, Jim, but
1: <laughs> – Come at me, kids. Come at me, fanboys. Come on. Let's see you survive a Toronto winter. Come at me. Okay. Another thing happened this week with Google, another uh, fairly significant change. You're going to see it every day of your lives until they change it again. This week, Google shot the sheriff. <laughs> another great headline. <laughs> well played. Yeah, well, except I, I stole that one. I mean, Flash Frozen by Google, that's mine but google shot the Sharif, i mean everyone uses that when somebody changes their font or logo to get away from serif font you know the one with the little tailings at the end of the letters to sans serif font which is actually easier to read this change was made primarily i think to differentiate the old google from the new alphabet google and also i've just said apparently serif is far easier on the eyes but it almost looks like like comic sans sometimes eh yeah, it does.
2: It's it's a funny one, but I, I get why they did it. It's a big change in things that aren't really big changes. But, you know, we talked about a one-pixel change, you know, <laughs> a couple of years ago when they moved things like a pixel. So this is certainly much more dramatic than
1: that. We're going to have to take a break in a moment. Before we do, remember that one-pixel change that, that was debated at Google for weeks before they made it? Yep, yeah. That was because Marissa Mayer... Who was you know who was um, in charge of aesthetics at Google at the time was so well, I'm not sure about the right word but precision was so important to her everything had to be exactly right. It was announced this week that Marissa Mayer is now pregnant with twins, mm-hmm. and she promises to deliver both the twins and a fiscal turnaround at Yahoo um, before the end of first quarter 2016. I know for sure she can deliver on one of those promises. the other one i'm not so sure about okay we got to take a break here on webcology but we're going to be coming back and and sit down for this friends in case you didn't hear it before we have the great david mim coming up after the break so on behalf of dave davies from beanstalk internet marketing this is jim hedger from digital always media you're listening to webcology on webmasterradio.fm it's the third of september we have david mim coming up after these messages
0: it tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently more accurately and more intuitively visit spyfu.com that's s-p-y-f-u.com and start downloading your competitors keywords now try it free done this is perfect what is my mobile website hey steven this is cool hashtag y-s-d-e-t-m-w-a what you should definitely enter the Mobile Web Awards. The Web Marketing Association is having their fourth annual Mobile Web Awards. Hashtag HTML, hashtag CSS. You mean hypertext, markup language, and cascading style sheets? No. Hey, they might like it. LOL. I'll head over there now. Deadline for entries is October 9th, 2015. Head over to www.mobile-webaward.org. Enter for your chance to be recognized. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at max speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Off now. Back to Web only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Web here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the third of September, twenty fifteen, and Dave, I'm in trouble. Why is I'm that, in Jim? Trouble here. My girlfriend is listening to the show live, right? Mm-hmm. And well, she was really mad at Apple for for blocking Flash because. For the work she does, Flash is quite important. She works, she works in uh, food and fashion. And yeah, so I got a lot to answer for when the show's over. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> okay, I'm really excited about this. We have, coming up in seconds, the great David Mim from Moz.org. I want to tell you a little bit about him, and I've got to admit, I'm cribbing from David's biography, but... David Mim is one of the world's leading practitioners of local search engine marketing. He has created and promoted search-friendly websites for clients of all sizes since early 2000s. David co-founded GetListed.org, which he sold to Moz in November 2012. He writes about local search on the Moz blog, formerly wrote a column on local search at Search Engine Land. His local search ranking factors project is thought to be one of the most important studies of local SEO. Served on the board of directors of SEM PDX, which is you know Portland's famous search marketing trade organization. He was director of partnerships in 2008 to 2010 and Search Fest director in 2011. And he currently serves on SEM PDX's advisory board. He's the dude who is in charge of local search at Moz. And, you know, as I said a few moments earlier, he published... The 2014 local ranking factors considered one of the most important search, local search documents, ever. I have so much admiration for what David's accomplished in his career to this point. I know of stuff he's, and I'm not going to mention it because he's never mentioned it, but I am going to say I know of stuff he's done for charity and for social good works. And again, I can't tell you exactly what it was because he's never said it out loud, but it's immense truly immense i have been looking forward to this conversation for weeks now and we're 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 really trying to get david on the line we really are (laughs) while we're waiting can i make you feel old dave (laughs) you can jim why the heck not i'm gonna anyway so it's the beginning of the school year it's the beginning of the college year for students across north america and around the world right Yep. this crop of freshmen going into uh, into entering college or university now. They were born in 1997, three years before the turn of the century. Now, check this out. Here's a few things that have always been reality for these kids. Hybrid automobiles have always been mass-produced. Google has always existed to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible. Freshmen going into college today have never licked a postage stamp. They've always been had the had the glue on the back or they use email. South Park has always existed for these people, as has Wi-Fi. As a matter of fact, they've grown up thinking Wi-Fi is an entitlement. The announcement of somebody being the first woman to hold any position is not really impressive because, of course, women can hold positions to these kids. This is how it's always been in their lives. Mm -hmm. The airport in D.C. has always been Reagan National Airport. Attempts at human cloning have always existed in their lives. Harry Potter, the Harry Potter universe, has always existed for new college students. These things blow me away. But wait, there's more. Back when these kids were born, cell phones were so expensive, nobody used them except for emergencies. Yeah, I remember. They were like two bucks a minute. Yeah. The Lion King has always played on Broadway. <laughs> um, there's always been an international space station. What else do we have here? I, I just find this amazing. You know what's uh, what's really frightening, Jim, is uh,
2: in four days, just if you want to feel a little bit older, my eldest is is one of those college freshmen. No way. Yeah.
1: No uh, way. <laughs> oh, my God. You're kidding me.
2: Something I wanted to mention just while we're, uh, while we're chatting here. I, I think I'd, I'd sent this to you uh, a little bit earlier, Jim. Google, pre- people who are uh, using apps, this sort of plays off uh, our interview with Cindy. So if you're using mobile apps, mobile site, if your interstitials take up the full screen, i.e., do not use, uh, you know, don't allow the user to actually immediately engage the content on a mobile device. You will no longer, after November 1st, so I shouldn't say no longer, as of November 1st, that will be removing the mobile friendliness of your website. That's pretty big. Well, mean,
1: Google's been warning about this. Google has been warning about interstitials. Yeah. And, and, and they annoy, especially in the mobile environment, they annoy the heck out of me.
2: Oh, yeah, they're horrible. I get them. And at the same time, they annoy me, right? Like as a marketer, I understand as a human being, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, I'm saying that marketers aren't human beings. But so well, anyway, <laughs> for, for people who look at um, who are developing apps, have an app or mobile website, this is going to be something that you want to pay very, very close attention to. Yeah, what, what I'm wondering, though, is if you're finding it profitable for yourself, when do you pull the plug on that, Jim? What do you think? So late October, you know, just save it right till October 31st and hope it gets crawled fast.
1: <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't do that because if we know that they're going to be pulling the plug on the uh, 1st of November, that doesn't mean that they're going to start spidering for it 1st of November. That means that the plug is going to get pulled 1st of November. So I would actually, I would actually get those off my page, even if they're profitable. I mean, you have to do the equation. What's making me more money? Search traffic or people banging on the interseasonal. Likely search traffic, but again, everybody knows their analytics better than better than you or I could because we're not looking at them, right? Right. So you'd have to make the calculation: what what is bringing me better profit? Again, I think between you and me, Dave, we could almost almost certainly assume it's the search traffic. Right. Um, I'd be pulling the plug on that. I'd be removing it from my website mid-October because that's when that's when Google spidering is going to note that there's a problem, red flag it, boom them on on November one. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's spot on. And
2: you're right. But I mean, you bring up a very, very valid point and something I think all of our listeners are aware of because I know a lot of our listeners are actual business owners. At the end of the day, this isn't about rankings. It's about money. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, everybody is going to have to answer that for themselves. I think it was great advice not to give just the purest SEO standpoint, which I think is your your mid-October, which is right, and allows for that gap if search traffic really is valuable for you. Um, but also factors in the – at the end of the day, this is about money and you need to be looking at, at your own analytics to, to make those decisions.
1: And Speaking that's something of- – that, before, before we step away from that point, that's something I think SEOs really have to realize. We're – yeah, we're measured by search ranking most certainly. But our job is more than just organic search engine optimization. Uh, the universe has expanded beyond that. I mean that, that is so 2007, right? Yeah. Our job is to make our clients money. Or to advise them on how to best make money.
2: Indeed, and that's that's a hundred percent okay. And I think something that's important for all of us to to remember at all times, right? Like, yes, rankings are important, but they are not the end. They are the means to the end. We may be the vehicle of that means, but we are not actually the end goal. We can certainly help with it. We can certainly advise on it, um, but the end goal is the conversion. So. Yeah whatever that means to our to our clients. And it's good for us to constantly be remembering that. Now, speaking of search traffic, Jim, you had made me aware of something when Mr. He needs to be mentioned during this show, Barry Schwartz, an article, Barry.
1: <laughs> See, I go, oh, because I don't like where I have to go now. I know, but, but I'm going to make it anyway. You're right, we got to go there. Okay, you know what? I love Barry. I admire Barry Schwartz to the nth degree. But um, Barry, if you're listening... I gotta ask you, please stop with the breathless announcements. (laughs) Like, you, Search Engine Roundtable is considered one of the premium websites to get strong information from. Yeah?
2: Oh, for sure. That SEM post, Search Engine Land, Search Engine Watch to a certain degree. You know, there's, it's definitely probably leading up the core grouping that I visit
1: almost every day. And, And Barry is, Arguably the most prolific poster when it comes to generally very solid information about yep. search marketing. We, we can agree on that too, right? Without a doubt. It's why he gets mentioned almost every show at some point. But i got to say, the last couple of weeks I've been, what's the right word, ticked off at some of the breathless reporting. And this one almost sent me over my desk. It's published on September 1st which it would have been, like, two days ago, Tuesday. And the headline reads, Did Google reverse the Panda 4.2 update? Now, that's a fair enough question to ask. And, and incidentally, Barry cites Glenn Gabe, another SEO who I have huge, huge props to Glenn Gabe. I got a lot of respect for this guy. Mm-hmm. But they're speculating. <laughs> this is just hurts my head, on whether Google has pulled back from Panda 4.2, which was released um, around mid-July, somewhere around uh, 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 the 17th or so of July, mm-hmm. Google has said over and over and over again that this is going to be a slow rollout, so much so that we were making fun of Google's sloth a couple weeks ago on the show. Indeed. How to say this. Google has said it's going to take months to see Panda 4.2 fully play through. After a month some people have seen you know a minor spike in rankings and then a gradual decline and those people are perhaps uh, mollifying themselves by saying well Google must have reverse fit Panda 4.2 without considering a lot of other stuff might have happened. For instance a rising tide will float all boats But in a zero-sum game, some boats are going to float float higher than others. The ranking loss that some people may be perceiving, quote unquote, from Panda 4.2, isn't necessarily Google pulling back rewards to their website as much as it is Google rewarding other websites. (laughs) And in a zero-sum game like, uh, like the search listings, if you're no longer number one, you're going to be number two or lower. And somebody else will be number one and they'll get more traffic than you. It doesn't mean that Panda 4.2 has been reversed. What it means is somebody is benefiting more than you are. But That's one potential, potentiality in a, in a gradual loss of traffic. Now, there's a lot of things to look for when you're, when you're looking at the effect of a, new, of a Google Algo or a Google Filter. You're not going to see a massive decrease or increase suddenly you're going to see gradual incremental increase usually coinciding with visits or I shouldn't say visits from the spider right coinciding with Google grabbing large chunks of your website you know when they when they spider and they and they you've looked in uh, Google search console formerly known as webmaster tools at crawl rate and the amount of kilobytes downloaded per crawl mm-hmm well when Google does those large crawls, that's when you're, you're going to see a few days after that, changes happen to your search rankings. And again, it's going to be incremental, either up or down, if, we're, if it's related to uh, Panda. It's not going to be a sudden increase or decrease. You'll see a pattern. It's one of the ways to spot it. And it just drives me crazy when we get speculation reported as fact. In, well, in that
2: a- I think he hit the nail on the head in in noting it, speculation is fact. I think this was a a fine subject to discuss. Like, hey, I just saw this, but it's a it's a point to discuss. And he did pose it as a question in his defense. But then, you know, as you know, you're more reading it as a as a point of fact. Um, this belongs as a subject in a forum or something, yeah. right? Where you can go and, you know, hey, I saw this. Anybody else have any thoughts? Not as a actual document to sit there. It could, it could be treated as very misleading. And the fact is in a slow rollout, you know what I know what I'm sure all of our listeners know, it. we've all been to this rodeo long enough. Rollouts like this are ebb and flow, like, okay, it could be rolling back, but it's not a rolling back. It's just the way this thing is being conditioned as new factors are pulled in and out. So yeah, I, I think it was misleading. It's We've all done something like this, you know, sort of to Barry's, I guess, credit or or defense. We've all sort of rushed. It's I'm sure you have, I know I have, rushed to a blog post because you had an idea and you just had to put it down and you had a couple people back it up and you were like, Hey, that must be a fact only to sort of shake your head later and go, Oops, but you don't want to pull it. (laughs) Well
1: indeed. And I've I've in my career I've made a number of mistakes in that way exactly. Ha, don't take another shot. Uh, the, the the listeners should know that our producers have asked us to be very careful using the word um from now on. So we're trying to replace all incidents of um with incidents of the word booger. <laughs> it's much more difficult than listeners might think. <laughs> so I pulled incredible mistakes when I was writing every day. Uh, you have deadlines you have to hit. You got to get that article out there. And I apologize, Barry. I shouldn't go. I shouldn't go straight in your face like that. That's not that's not totally cool. My problem is I have clients calling me, quoting quoting Barry's breathless reporting of something that is really just speculation, not fact. and that's a you know half hour. I'm never getting back <laughs> <laughs> right. as you're trying
2: to explain it. Now, another uh, you know well, we're we're sort of on the subject of Google, or should we take a break now?
1: Well, I think, you know what, it's, uh, it's Booger, it's quarter to the hour, we're still trying to get a hold of David Mim, but we're probably going to have to reschedule him, given that we only have about 15 minutes left in the show. We're going to come back with something or another <laughs> after the commercial, so on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, you listen to Web College on Radio.fm. stick around, fun stuff coming up after these messages
0: tight and don't move Webology. we'll be back after this short break finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time consuming and frustrating for many of us the hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link building load their white label seo was made specifically for agencies in-house seos and affiliates I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text radio to That's radio to for Moby Mantis. commercials off. Now, back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. You're the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
1: <sighs> well, you know, sometimes you just got to admit defeat. <laughs> or defoot, one or the other. We're only at defoot. We haven't actually hit defeat yet, but we'll get to defeat if we never get a hold of them. Friends, we're sorry. We teased you with an intro for David Mim. We teased you with the idea that David Mim was actually going to be on the show right now, and he's not. We're having a hard time getting a hold of him every time we try to contact him via Skype in Seattle. For some reason, the call gets cut off. If only some large corporation based in Seattle owned Skype or something. I don't know.
2: You know, Uh, uh, Jim, just uh, as a note, I have heard from him. I just got an email from him going, can we please reschedule? Feels bad for having missed the calendar invite. I guess didn't get through. So,
1: well, we, we will be rescheduling David Mim. Which is important because David is the, well, as I said earlier, he's the dude you go to when you need advice on Local. You need to learn about Local. You need to know what's going on with Local. And we will have David on sometime in the next few weeks. He's actually texting via Skype right now. Um, hey guys, I am here. Really apologize. Apology absolutely accepted to David we got a few more minutes here on Webcology, and there's a couple of things that are happening in the wild right now, one of which is that fun Easter egg from Google, I'm Feeling Curious. Dave, you turn me on to this. You go to Google, go to the search box and type, I'm Feeling Curious. You could do this all day long. You really can. Just sit there and hit refresh, and you will learn just oodles well, of instance, interesting stuff. I just learned something I already knew, that Charles Darwin sailed on the HMS Beagle. So there's uh, there's one point. I just hit refresh and learned that Bruce Lee trained with the late Grandmaster Yip Man in the Wing Chun style of Kung Fu. He kept progressing until he had formed his own method, the Jeet Kune Do. I did not know that. Did you? I
2: did not know that. I also did not know that... On average, a person will have
1: between 35 and 48 thoughts per minute. The vast majority of which are about sex. (laughs) Unless you're a webmaster, in which case the vast majority of which are about (laughs) (laughs) sex.com. Okay, one last story. And this is actually kind of important moving into a world where video is likely to be one of the dominant – mediums on the web right now the web is mostly a text-based medium where video is pushing in really fast flash ahead without using flash of course move ahead into the future and you will be seeing video being the dominant medium on the web that may be a bit of a step there dave But what do you think video source as dominant Well, yeah. Do you think video will ever take over from text as the dominant way of communicating information on the web? You know what? Watching how
2: my uh, kids use the internet? Yeah. Yeah, that's happening.
1: Okay, that's, that's a tough one, but I think that may be correct. It's a tough one to actually wrap your head around. You can say so much more in text than you can in video, so much faster and easier, but people are more attuned to video. But there's a problem with video, eh? There's a problem with video, and that's the code or codex used to interpret and reformulate the video stream. So it's coming off the server, being sent across the web, broken into little packets. It's got to come back to, to the receiver, your your machine, and those packets have to be reassembled and interpreted into the video file. And the way we've done that is by using what's called a codex, a, you know, sort of like the authentication code for any video. As we move forward with you know, smaller and smaller devices and uh, more, which are essentially more powerful tools. We need to develop a new next generation standard for encoding and decoding video streams. And so the Alliance for Open Media, which is Amazon, Cisco, Google, Intel, Microsoft, Mozilla and Netflix are coming up with a new common codex. that the codec that they say is going to be royalty free and allow all of us, anybody to transmit a larger amount of video using a much smaller amount of bandwidth. Perfect.